Hey, Inside the Mix podcast fans, I am Neon Shade. Please follow and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Official Neon Shade. I just released two new singles, Stereo Love and Locked Out. Both come with videos that I made as well. You are listening to Inside the Mix podcast, and here's your host, Mark Matthews. Hello and welcome to the Inside the Mix podcast. I'm Mark Matthews, your host, musician, producer, and mix and mastering engineer. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about your favorite synth music artists, music engineering and production, songwriting, and the music industry. I've been writing, producing, mixing, and mastering music for over 15 years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hey folks, and welcome back to the Inside the Mix podcast. If you are a new Inside the Podcast listener, welcome, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Now, in this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest today, uh, my friend NG James, a.k.a. Doom, a music producer from Los Angeles, California. And uh, he's joining me today for a producer kickstart strategy session. Hi, NG. How are you today? Hey. Happy Easter as well. Hey, happy Easter. I'm doing well, man. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm very well. It's nice and sunny over here in the UK. Um, I'm sure it's probably the same where you are in Los Angeles, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Awesome, actually. Yeah, it's it's nighttime, but we've had some pretty good... Uh, Pretty decent days the past couple of days. Not too hot, not too cold. Nice breeze. (laughs) Nice, man. I keep forgetting. And when I chat to people, not everybody is uh, is at the same time as me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, man. So yeah, we're here today for a producer kickstart session. So you've sent me a track across uh, Auto Nine. I've had a listen, and um, it sounds great. So what I like to do is I just like to kick off these sessions with um, where you're at in your sort of music producer journey and what you intend to do in the next six months so in six months time where do you envisage yourself being with regards to mixing and music production uh well not entirely sure i'm kind of just riding the wave you know i started this off as like just like kind of a mess around uh project but lately i've noticed that it's like kind of picking up you know i'm getting a bit more of a following people are starting to appreciate my music a little more so i'm starting to take it a little bit more serious um but this past year, I've just been kind of focusing on uh, doing collaborations with a few people, uh, mainly in like the little community that, community that we've uh, been a part of and that I mm. was lucky enough to join. Um, but pretty much just, yeah, doing collaborations, maybe towards the end of the year, uh, start focusing on doing like my first debut album. Nice, excellent stuff. A slight tangent here. What do you think it is that um, has grown that following in particular? Obviously, you've got quality music, but is there anything particular? Would you do, would you attribute it to the uh, the community online? Yeah, I, I would like to say probably the community. And I'm uh, very persistent in like stuff that I do and things that I'm passionate about. And music is definitely one of them. So I love making music. You know, it, the craft is probably my favorite part of all of it mm. yeah the actual music production so the yeah. songwriting and coming up with a composition yeah definitely yeah 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 um, i'm with you there it's um it is uh, probably the most fun part um, but then again i do i love the mixing and mastering as well so in your um sort of notes leading up to this episode you cited mixing as your biggest pain point yeah. how long have you been mixing your own music and are you self-taught uh i am self-taught and i've been mixing uh I want to say properly since November, because that's when I upgraded my um, my DAW to FL Studio. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I was using um, this web uh, dog called BandLab. Oh, yeah, I know the one. And I was very, 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 uh, very green to it. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to do the equalizing and filtering and effects and stuff. I was just kind of pressing buttons and turning knobs and stuff. And whatever was happening was happening. But yeah. after I picked up uh, FL Studio, I started looking up videos on like Image Lines YouTube series and uh, other various uh, YouTubers that kind of give you tutorials on like how to mix properly and stuff like that. So I've been yeah. just learning, grabbing inspiration wherever I can. Fantastic. Out of interest, I, I'm, I'm always intrigued to know why people pick particular DAWs. What made you go with, not that it's a bad one by any stretch, what made you go with Fruity Loops uh, FL Studio? Uh, I've heard a lot of good things uh, from other people as I I hear that a lot of electronic users uh, mm-hmm. use that. And then when I got my first computer back in like 2001, uh, I got a trial version of Fruity Loops. I think when it was like its second or third year into it um, being out. And I was just messing around in that, in the trial version. And I really liked uh, the workflow at the time. I didn't know it was called the workflow, but, you know, just messing <laughs> around with it. I said pressing buttons. I came up with little, little cool little drum beats, and but after that, I fell off and uh, did live bands and stuff like that for a little bit. And then after that, uh, I want to say in March of last year is when I actually started messing around with uh, electronic music. Yeah, when you say live bands, were you recording live bands? Or were you like mixing live shows? No, I was just playing live shows at venues, venues, backyards, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Fruity Loops is a good choice. I think I'm a Logic Pro user, and um, if think if I was to experiment with another DAW, I'd probably go with FL Studio because I know a number of producers now, having done the podcast for a couple of years and chatted to them, and it seems to be FL Studio, and then probably Ableton. Um, slightly behind in terms of popularity. So I think you made a good choice there. With regards to mixing then, what is your biggest pain? Because mixing is quite a sort of like a, a broad overarching term. What is your biggest pain point with mixing in particular? What aspect of mixing pains you most? I would probably have to say uh, the equalizing frequencies and stuff like that. Yeah. So with regards to EQ then, um, how do you approach it? So imagine you've got your your project, you've got your mix session, and um, you're working your way through each instrument, each instrument group. How do you approach EQ? Do you sort of, are you identifying sounds that stick out? Or are you sort of just going in and then just moving filter, uh, filters? Yeah, filters. Or are you moving sort of bandpass filters or bell filters around until something sounds right? How, how do you approach it at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I kind of gather like all my melodies and uh, stuff like that that I'm um, more familiar with. And then... I would say like probably halfway into what I'm composing, I'll start messing around with stuff that I think sticks out for me. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's really tough because I don't really know the proper terminologies of like everything. And um, it's, it's just, it's, it's something uh, that I really, really want to learn properly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, what I can do is off the back of this episode, I can point you in the direction of some resources for for EQ because I know off the top of my head, there's a few really, really good ones because it is, as you say, you've gone online and you've looked at YouTube and whatnot and there's a lot out there in terms of content and it's finding the the good stuff, basically. You don't want to go down a rabbit hole of watching EQ videos and then finding that actually um, is either not right or it's just rehashing what somebody else has written. So with regards to EQ then, I mean, my first tip would be when you're starting a session, because um, I've noticed you've got sound bites in your in your work, haven't you? So yeah. Auto Nine, for example, has got a um, some some sound clips in it. What I tend to do is I would start with the foundations of the of the track. So that would be like your drums, mm-hmm. um, your drums, your drums, yeah, your percussion, and I would start with that and then move on to vocal after that. So when it comes to equalizing drums, for example. I think it's very important to make sure that you're leaving space for each instrument. So, for example, if you're starting with the kick drum, you would make sure you've got space in your frequency spectrum for that to show through. For example, when you have that compared to your bass guitar, if that makes any sense. So when you, for example, if you're EQ in bass and kick drum, you want to make sure that where your kick drum is coming through in that frequency spectrum, it's not competing with the bass, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's a, re- that's a really good place to start. And also another another really good one is, I've gone off, a, I've jumped ahead a bit there with bass. For example, if you've got your hi-hats, mm-hmm. I don't know if you do this already, I'm sticking with drums at the moment. So let's say your bass, your kick drum, you've got it, you've got that, that region sort of 20 hertz all the way up to six kilohertz where you've got the sort of the kick drum poking through with the attack. When you've got your hi-hat, are you rolling off low end of your hi-hat so using a high pass filter is that something that you do uh no that's actually uh something that i still haven't really been able to explore yet Mm. um like high pass low pass uh filters and stuff like that usually i kind of just tweak the 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 frequencies um like kind of like you say you know just keep messing around with it until i think it sounds good in my ears yeah well, a good place to start then would be exploring those high-pass and low-pass filters. For example, you, once again, going back to the kick drum, you've got your low-pass filter. Low-pass it until it starts to sound muddy or you're losing that attack. You're probably looking at around 6, 7, 8K, depending on the kick drum sample that you're using. Because that way, you're getting rid of a lot of high energy that you don't necessarily need in your track. And that's going to leave space later on and you're going to have a much more balanced track and it's the same with the hi-hat so if you bring your hi-hat into the mix and then you have a high pass filter and then gradually bring it up 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 all the way up until it starts to sound too thin and you lose the hi-hat and then dial it back a bit because you're getting rid of all that low end energy that the hi-hat doesn't need that's taking up space in your mix and you can imagine if you've got 40 tracks and you haven't done that, that is a lot of low energy that is going to be present. And what that will then do is, if you're getting rid of that, when it comes to the mastering stage, you've got a lot more headroom, you've got a lot more space to manoeuvre, and you can actually push that track a bit bit harder. And it's the same with the snare drum as well. So with the snare, you probably want to get that high-pass filter and then just drag it up. I don't know, once again, it depends on the snare, and drag it up to around 100 see how it sounds because you're going to have a lot of body around 250, 200 and then you're going to have your attack anywhere from like 2k upwards again and then also you want to have that low pass filter again and it's almost like a big band pass. Effectively what you're doing is you're shaving off the top top end and high end 
you're shaving off that frequency content that isn't needed for that instrument, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And what that will do is it just gives you a lot more space to maneuver within the, and it'll just sound a lot cleaner and it'll sound a lot more balanced as well. But do it in context. Do it in context as well. Don't isolate the instrument and EQ. Yeah. Do it in the context of the mix. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I've learned too is to, when you're doing that, don't um, like, mute everything and just go based off of like that actual mm, uh, yeah. instrument do it as it's as the whole playlist is like live and active and get a better idea of um what sounds better and what needs to be cut out yeah 100 percent. because if you do it in isolation it may sound great but when then you bring it back in it might you, you either totally lose yeah. it it might lose its impact altogether yeah. or it might do the opposite and what you'll find sometimes is there's certain frequencies of an instrument that might complement another instrument, but you wouldn't know unless you're doing it in context. So yeah, 100%, yeah. Mate, um, make sure you're doing it that way. Yeah, I've, I have learned the hard way with that, where I've muted it, muted each track and been like, oh, this sounds great. And then I'll play everything else. Like, oh, this sounds horrible. What was I thinking with this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think another thing with EQ again is, is this goes back off a conversation that I had with uh, Adrian Hall. So this is a few episodes ago. And he said uh, to be bold with EQ as well. Make um, make wide, not wide cuts, but be bold with it as well. I mean, it's creative at the end of the day. And you can always undo. That's that's another yeah. key thing with equalization as well. Are there any other aspects of EQ that you're, you're, you're stuck with? Uh, as far as EQ go, goes, mm, no. Not at the moment. Um, a lot of other things uh, is compression is something that I have trouble with. Uh, not entirely sure how to go about with that. Like usually, I kind of just bring the gain up a little bit and mess with the attack and stuff like that. But not entirely sure how to properly like compress uh, whatever it is that needs to be compressed. Yeah, I've got a, a really good tip for compression to get started, to set a basic compressor. Um, and this is something I learned. I think I got this from Bobby Ozinski years ago from one of his books. I think it was I think it was that. Um, was to, when you have your compression, you have your, your instrument. Obviously, you want to compress because you want to reduce peaks and you want to have a more even dynamic. For a vocal is a very, very good example of this because you can have a vocalist who's very high and very low and you want to sort of even out those peaks and have an even performance. So a, neat, a, a really good way of just starting with a compressor is if you turn the threshold all the way up, so it's triggering and it's going to trigger all the time, then set the attack all the way slow and the release all the way fast, and then turn the gain up as well, as far as, far as it will go within reason. Obviously, you don't want to blow your speakers or blow your ears. Yeah. Um, and then if you do that, it will sound horrible straight off the bat. It will sound horrible. But what you can then do is, starting with the attack, or, and turn the ratio all the way up as well. So like 10 to 1 or infinity to 1, whatever, whatever it may be. And that's the start. Then what you do is you slowly bring the attack back, and you slowly increase, or decrease rather, the attack time until it starts to have an effect on the sound. So as soon as it starts to sound like it's muddy, or it will sound muddy anyway, or if it starts to sound dull, that's where you want to put your attack to begin with and then just dial it back a bit. And then you do the same the release with the release, but you do it the other way. So with the release, you would then slowly increase the release time until it starts to sound dull again. And that's roundabout where you want to set your release. And then what you do is that's, that's your starting place for your attack and your release. And then obviously bring back the threshold, 
get however much uh, gain reduction you want, whether it's 2 or 3 dB, and then bring back the ratio to where you want it to be. Like a good place to start with might be sort of 1 to 4 um, in terms of ratio, 4 to 1 rather. And then obviously you've got your makeup gain off the back of that. But that's a really good way to set your attack and release times. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I never thought of yeah, trying I- it like that. Maybe we'll have to do that next time. Yeah, it's a really good way to start. Ultimately, though, I mean, if you're going down other compression routes, I don't know, if you want to do something like parallel compression or something along those lines, then that attack might not work. But in the first instance, it's a really good place to start in terms of setting your attack and your release times. And um, and then off the back of that, you can then go forward and then be creative however you want with regards to the ratio and whatnot. Um, do you understand how, like, the ratio and the attack and the release, what, what they're actually doing? Yeah, I think so. Ah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, there's a really good analogy that I know, which is um, which is like um, somebody in their room playing music, uh-huh. and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a good one. You can imagine you've got a, a teenager in their room and they're blasting out tunes, and then their mum comes upstairs, and how quickly the mum or, or the dad comes upstairs to tell them to turn it down is the attack, oh, and then okay. how quickly yeah yeah, and how quickly they then turn it back up is the release, and then the ratio is how much the parent tells them to turn it down by. It's a really good analogy for yeah. understanding how compressors work. Yeah, and the threshold... Yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And then the threshold is the level of tol- tolerance the parent has for the level of music they're willing to put up with before they'll tell them to turn it down. Yeah, it's uh, for anybody who's w- wanting to understand how compression works in a really basic way, that's a really cool way to do it. And then you have things like knee, which means basically when you get that threshold, it's just a nice... It's not a sudden, like, bang. It's a, it's a gradual threshold. So it starts just before and finishes just after. Oh, okay. um, yeah, but, I mean, I think those are two really good tips that you could take away and start using straight away with regards to sort of, like, setting a compressor. Yeah, absolutely. And then also just using the high and low-pass filters and also high and low-shell filters just to get rid of unnecessary unnecessary energy um, sort of at the beginning of the frequency spectrum and at the end of the frequency spectrum. I say at the end, that we can hear. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, mate, I realise we're almost, that's, that's almost 20 minutes in now. I hope that's been of use in some way and oh, yeah, uh, giving you absolutely. something that you can take forward. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, fantastic. What I like to do off the back of these is, like, have you got one sort of actionable step you'll then implement in the next sort of 28, 28 24 to 48 hours? What do you think you'll do first? Oh. What do you think you'll do first? Uh, I don't even know. Probably mess around with the EQ, try out those uh, those high pass and low pass uh, tips that you gave me. Fantastic, excellent stuff. And what I do as well is, like I said, I'll put um, some like show notes together that with some links to articles and stuff that will help you with that, and I'll send that over to you. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, NG, where can our audience find you online? Where should they go if they want to hear some of your music? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram. Uh, you could find me by typing in uh, Doom Music. It's three O's, and uh, it's all one word. I'm also on Twitter, with, and my at is at Doom1987. Also, uh, three O's. I'm also on TikTok, which uh, I believe I'm pretty sure is Doom Music, just like Instagram. And uh, I got my music on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon. Uh, I got some stuff on SoundCloud. A little bit more of my earlier stuff that's not on Spotify. More of my uh, my um, beginner stuff. But 
that's not important. My Spotify stuff is what's <laughs> the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I do the same. My SoundCloud's sort of full of work in progress and demos. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty much that what I, like I use share. my SoundCloud for now is uh, private links just to like yeah. show people, get feedback on that and um, just little demos and stuff that I keep logged in case I want to mess around with it a bit later. Brilliant. I think that's a good way, way to use SoundCloud. And I like the fact that you can leave comments on there as well and i always judge it by if the if the track gets a lot gets a fair number of plays i give it gives me an indication of whether or not it's worth pursuing so yeah i use it totally the same way yeah fantastic okay folks um if you would like to uh join me on a producer kickstart session like my friend engie here and become a uh, producer kickstart strategy participant go to the website www.insidethemix.com podcast.podia.com get signed up and come and join me on the show ng big thank you for joining me today oh, and um, i will speak to you soon thank you thank you for having me my pleasure buddy and enjoy the rest of your easter hey you too whoa before you go make sure to snag your free test master from synth music mastering imagine enhancing your music with my steadfast dedication to quality and that personalized touch and here's the kicker it's absolutely free no cost at all. Simply head over to synthmusicmastering.com or click the link in the episode description to claim your free test master.